everybody. It's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, April 24th, 2016. It's a baby shower. It should be a joyous occasion with presents and jelly beans and cake and Max's tripwire. I cannot believe that that actually happened. I had to check myself because I thought, surely this is going to end up being a dream sequence. When she went tumbling down the stairs and Max had that evil little, almost undetectably subtle smirk on his face, I thought this is definitely, definitely him dreaming that his plan went off without a hitch. I didn't dream that it was actually going to happen and furthermore that she was actually going to lose the baby. It's so dark. It's so sad. My heart is absolutely breaking for her. I mean, Abby, I've made no secret, is not one of my favorite characters on the show, and I've had such a hard time identifying with her, but I was 100% with her in the hospital, learning that not only is she, she, she's lost the baby, but it was a girl. What a horrible, terrible thing to go through, and especially a horrible thing for a viewer to watch that this evil child concocted this plan to force his, what is it, stepmother to fall down the stairs and lose her her baby, his little baby sister. This is terrible. That kid has got darkness in his genes. He's got crazy grandma. He's got crazy Aunt Kelly. I guess that's just what it amounts to. I mean, he, he the, the little devil even had a plan to cover up the evidence. It was so premeditated. He went up there before Abby was going to come. I mean, he, he planned this from the beginning, from the party. I mean, it, this was his little master plan. I can't even believe that a kid could conceive of such a thing. He goes up, lays the tripwire. She falls. When no one's looking, he runs back up the stairs to destroy the evidence, get the, get the tripwire, put it in his pocket. Later in the hotel room, he tries to smush it into a piece of paper and throw it into the garbage to get to get rid of the evidence and then the little psycho can't leave it alone he has to just like a psycho go back to the scene of the crime pull the tripwire out of the garbage and put it back in his pocket there is something wrong with this child I mean obviously I can't believe it only the thing is he didn't the only thing he didn't count on were the GCAC cameras, the security cameras that were everywhere. I thought, okay, okay, all right. Maybe I can believe that Abby didn't feel the fact that there was a wire on the stairs. Maybe I can believe that uh, that nobody noticed something was off with this kid, particularly Lily and Kane. I mean, we know that Max is someone who talked little Charlie last week into pulling a fire alarm. This is a bad kid, yet everybody just completely forgot about this other bad thing that he had done and just started treating him like he's a little angel because he was planning a baby shower. Maybe I can believe that everybody forgot about all that, but the security cameras can't lie, right? 
Well, Lily goes back to look at him and doesn't seem to notice that he's there laying this trap. I don't, I don't know why. I can only imagine that it's got to come back up in the future. That it, It's got to be on camera. I am I, imagining that we're going to flash forward a couple of weeks and somebody will have discovered that and that will at least confirm that the little devil actually did this. I thought for sure that Kane was going to notice something because he was in charge of wrangling Max a little bit after the accident. I mean, everybody's seeing Abby on the floor wanting to help her, but afraid to probably move her. And being a father, Kane takes Max off to the side so that he doesn't have to see this. And there were so many little moments where Kane almost was looking at the kid with a frowned, like furrowed eyebrows. And I thought, is he noticing that something is off here? But he didn't end up saying anything. And he said, Kane said things later on in the week that made me think he was not suspicious of Max. They invited him to come stay at their house after the accident happened. I wouldn't have wanted that kid within 50 feet of my kid after the fire alarm incident. (laughs) I just can't believe it. I cannot believe it actually happened. I feel absolutely terrible that Abby's blaming herself for this. I think that was one of the, the hardest moments of the week watching I mean not just her miscarrying but knowing that it happened and she's blaming herself saying I had one job and that was to protect my child and I couldn't even do that and now she's questioning her ability to even be a mother and it's difficult knowing that she's blaming herself and that would probably be a natural reaction but especially knowing that it was sabotage and that someone did something horrific to her. It was equally hard watching Stitch praise Max, saying what a good kid he is after he's just done this evil, evil thing, saying, I know you're such a good boy. It it, it turns my stomach. I thought for sure this was going to be kind of a more of a lighthearted storyline. I didn't know that YNR was actually going to go through with the whole thing. I certainly, I didn't guess. I really didn't guess that she was going to miscarry the baby. I suppose I should have. The writing was on the wall for the past several weeks, yet I kept thinking they were going to go in a lighter direction, but it is heavy. It is hard. It is hard not only for Abby and Stitch. It's hard on so many other people in Genoa City. I mean, even just the uh, Sage having lost a baby, now watching this happen to uh, Abby. Um, I mean, Billy having lost Delia and seeing his niece go through this. Ashley in the waiting room, feeling like she so desperately wants to do something to help her daughter, but knowing that she can't. I loved, by the way, the scene with Jack and Ashley. I think it was on Friday's show where he's trying so hard to comfort her, even kind of teasing her a little bit about the future grandchild that she will have and it'll be calling her grandma and granny and kind of forcing her to say the words. I thought that was such a a nice and much needed moment between the two siblings, especially considering everything else that's going on with the Abbott family. And we got a little bit of Jack and Ashley last week too. It's been nice. Um, It's, it's got, it's an emotional pull that is far reaching. Abby's loss is something that so many people 
feel. Um, and it's just heartbreaking to watch. Absolutely heartbreaking. I don't know what's going to happen. What is going to happen to Max? Because something has to. Surely somebody's got to figure this out. That card, that was the height of creepiness. He decides to, with his little crayons, I mean, is he disconnected from what he's done? Is there a part of him that did this, but maybe another part that doesn't know that he did it? I have no idea. He writes her this card, and it has a little flower on front, and, and Stitch gives it to Abby in the hospital. She opens it up. The inside of it says, forget me not? Why, who would say that? What kid, what child would say that? Why would you write that on the inside of a card? It was haunting. And I, I think she took it as, um, as forget me not as in never forget the child that I've lost. But I took it as kind of a taunting of Max. Like, forget me not, you know, don't forget that I'm here and I'm going to get you. And I've always hated you and, and forget, don't forget that I did it. Like he almost wants credit, like a serial killer wanting credit for the crime that he just committed. This kid is a serial killer in the making and Abby knows it Abby feels it she had a moment just after all of this horrific uh, experience she's just been through the very first time someone mentions Max's mentions Max's name she gets a chill down the back of her spine and then when she sees that card something is just shaking her to her core I am imagining that Abby is going to figure this out probably just from taking one look at this little kid and his evil smirk on his face and she is going to suspect or know know or at least suspect that Max was behind this terrible thing that happened to her she's gonna go to Stitch Stitch is not gonna believe it Ashley is not gonna believe it no one is going to believe that Max is capable of this thing that he obviously did In other crazy people news, Patty's back, although for some reason I'm happy about that. I mean, Patty killed Colleen, who was one of my favorite characters, so I really liked Colleen, and I felt just awful when Patty was responsible for her dying, but somehow I guess time has mellowed me on the character of Patty. I just kind of want to empathize with her. How about that scene with her and Polly in the new mental institution, and she's cradling and her kitty and wanting some candy. I mean, I'm cool with crazy if it's a little bit comedic when it goes to dark, dark murder. I think that's when I'm ready to jump off the boat. But I was happy Patty was back this week. She is the missing piece of this puzzle, but she's not the only piece that's new and that has potential uh, for figuring out the whole mystery of the baby switch because Nurse Stevens, <laughs> the, um, the creepy nurse who who was at the hospital and was obviously with Sage when her baby, in quotes, died, and who then miraculously was at 
Fairview when Sharon gave birth, in quotes, she just happens to be dating a Genoa City Athletic Club bartender. Can you believe that? (laughs) And Sharon just so happens to be chatting this guy up. She sees them together and she says, hmm, something ain't right with that woman. I'm going to see what kind of information I can get out of this bartender. And he's, he's all too happy to give up as much information about this woman's private life as possible. I mean, he he says so many things about her that, oh, you don't even know what she's capable of. She's, But I'm crazy about her. I mean, he essentially lets loose that she's, she's a little nuts. She's a little off kilter, but I'm crazy about her. She's broken up with me, broken my heart. She disappeared, went off the map for a month. Hey, that was weird. Strange lady that I'm just telling this information to, but I love her. So that's a nice little uh, twist of info that's going to help us get some more information. I tell you, some of my favorite parts of the week were just watching Sage and Sharon trying to piece this together. I really like those two together. We have seen them being a little bit catty toward one another in the past, but they are like bonded now. They have this, they're strangely aligned toward this common goal that they don't even know they have. I believe that Sharon is truth-seeking. I want to believe that even if Sharon is the only one who finds out the secret that she will tell, that she will tell Sage, that she will tell Dylan. And likewise, Sage just seems to feel bonded to Sharon. She feels bonded, obviously, to Sully, and she wants to help this cause. So the two women have just decided to get together and compare notes on their nightmares and to talk about this nurse. I mean, Sage is the only person that Sharon has really confided everything too about all of her dreams about all of her suspicions and so sage is in i'm gonna help you something is up here and i think sage is maybe starting to get a little inkling that it might have something to do with her or that that at least that she had sort of a connection because sage didn't know before uh before this week i don't think that that nurse uh stevens was present when her son died or was the nurse that told her that her son had died So Sage is at least finding a reason to be personally compelled toward this story. And Sharon is all right to let Sage do a little bit of the dirty work. I had to laugh when Sharon gave Sage the keys to the coffee house to go break into Dylan's computer to get more police information on Nurse Stevens. I mean, Sharon was happy to just let somebody else deal with that. I think she's realizing that she's putting her marriage on the line here by not fully um, confiding in Dylan, but Sage does it. Sage is adventurous. She went to Fairview and pretended to be crazy, so this is like right up her alley. So Sage goes to the coffee house, breaks into Dylan's computer, which Sharon just happened to accidentally see him enter the password to, uh, and Sage pulls up this mug shot with Nurse Stevens's face, and it has all about her criminal record and Sage was able to glean that Dr. Stevens was actually not a colleague of Dr. Anderson's, but a patient. So that busted open quite a a big piece of information there that this woman is obviously dealing with some mental issues of her own. So Sharon takes that info and goes back to kind of pry the bartender boyfriend who 
it, again, giving just way too much information, tells Sharon that the the reason that she, the, the that Nurse Stevens, I don't know her first name, shoot, I'm just going to keep calling her Nurse Stevens, uh, was ha- was having mental mental uh, counseling or whatever, was because she's the angel of death. She was accused, and he believes wrongly accused, of helping older patients uh, break on through to the other side, shall we say? Ah, well, more dark, dark, darkness. The bar, I loved, the bartender says to Sharon, well, uh, yeah, I mean, and she was at Fairview uh, for a time, and Sharon says, oh, Fairview, yes, I've heard of it. (laughs) I've heard of it. I may have been aware of Fairview. (laughs) Um, So there you go. Uh, They're at least starting to figure out that the woman's nuts. Something's wrong. She was a follower of Dr. Anderson. The bartender also said that she was a very staunch follower of of Dr. Anderson. Would have done anything for that woman. So we're at least getting into the motive of Nurse Stevens. And then at the very end of... Friday's show. Sharon has another nightmare. And I think it's kind of like an, it's more of like an unseated memory, I took it as, where she's lying in bed at night, in the middle of the night. I don't think this actually happened to where we saw it. But Patty comes in in the middle of the night and says, Sharon, there is no baby. And Sharon wakes up uh, still inside of this dream memory and feels her stomach. And and I think she seems to have a cognitive moment where she realizes there's no baby bump. There's no baby there. And then Sharon wakes up from the dream. And I believe that was the last we saw of that for the week. So Sharon is definitely the one that is driving all of this forward. Sharon is the one who has to piece this together. She has has to remember that she wasn't pregnant and she's gonna have to partner up with Sage to break through to the terrible, awful truth. Well, it's gonna be terrible and awful for Sharon and Dylan. It's gonna be a wonderful reunion for Sage when she finally gets her son back. I love Dylan. I really do. It's going to be very hard to watch him learn the truth about Sully, that it's not really his son and to have gone through this more than once, actually. But I I really like Dylan as a character. I think he's a good stand-up guy. I liked seeing him go to Nikki and really want to help her, but offering... To let Nikki move in with him and Sharon without running it by Sharon is absurd. That seems like a way big decision that you definitely should have run by your wife, considering the history that your wife and Nikki have with one another. Oh, Dylan, you do not know what you just got yourself into. He had the best of intentions, wanted to help his mom, thought it'd be good for her to be around the baby, thought Sharon would embrace it, probably wrongly so. And 
he just had no clue how bad it was going to end up being. Nikki tried to warn him. She said, uh, I don't think that's such a good idea. Sharon and I are like nitro and glycerin. It is true. If, if that wasn't foreshadowing, I don't know what was. I mean, Nikki, Dylan brings Nikki back into the home. I think Sharon's face said it all. Like, what? I mean, what is going on here? Really? Do you know that we have a history together? This is not going to be good. Maybe we can get along in small spurts for, you know, having grandma see the kid, but living together? I don't think so. And it started immediately. I mean, the war between Nikki and Sharon started the second Dylan walked out the room and it was glorious. (laughs) I absolutely love this twist. This is probably one of the funnest things of the week. YNR gave us a lot of darkness, but Nikki and Sharon as roommates is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I love seeing those two in the same room together. I loved all of the digs that went back and forth between them. I mean, Nikki didn't even try to be on her best behavior. The woman probably could have been a little more gracious considering her son, and she didn't. She just started ripping into Sharon right away, calling her a gold digger, which I have to say, was it just really hit me in a, in a special spot because that's always what Nikki called Sharon from like day one when Sharon showed up in Nicholas's life. Nikki was saying that same line, she's a gold digger, she's a gold digger, and there was something about that to me that just so beautifully acknowledged the history between these two characters and they brought so much back into it. I mean, Nikki brought up a time when her and Sharon were rooting around in a rat infested sewer looking for a body of a man that she killed. I I, I feel like I remember the sewer, uh, but I don't remember the man that she killed. Is it maybe Cameron Kirsten? Is that what it was? I'm trying to just pull from memory. There's been so many weird adventures that these people have been on, but it was great. Great that Nikki said that and that Sharon was digging back at Nikki. Um, it was so, so good. Oh my gosh, that moment where Nikki grabbed, she said, if I'm going to be staying here, I'm going to need this. And she takes the lighter, the fire starter <laughs> and said, oh, and I'll be keeping an eye on my purse too, by the way, klepto, you lush. <laughs> Oh, that was so good. I should go back and watch that again. <laughs> I want that to go in a, t- in a vault somewhere, like a time capsule of YNR amazingness. It was so great. Um, gosh, I just couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, I, I really think that Nikki's purpose storyline-wise, inside of this household now, is to drive a wedge and begin to drive a wedge between uh, Sharon and Dylan. I think Sharon is trying very hard to keep everything she's doing with Sage on the down low, keep it away from Dylan, and Nikki's going to know that Sharon is up to something. She's Nikki's going to know that Sharon is keeping a secret from Dylan, and she is not going to waste one second busting her out.
Last week's YRChat.com poll was a juicy one. Jack versus Billy, whose side are you on? 71% said Jack. But I will say the 29% who voted that they were on Billy's side were very vocal. And I'm going to pluck out some comments from that a little bit later during the when we open the chatter box. I'll, t- I'll talk about all that. I voted that I was on Jack's side because... I just, I guess the thing is, I sort of like mellower Jack. I I feel like if we were seeing Jack entering into this same pattern of revenge on Victor at any cost, family be damned, personal life be damned, relationships be damned, I feel like we wouldn't be seeing any kind of growth in the character. We'd be telling Jack, oh, Jack, don't you ever learn your lesson? But he has learned his lesson, and he is trying to incorporate it, and he is trying to move on, and he is trying to just be an example. He's trying, I I think to to show Billy the path of being a better man as opposed to choosing this revenge that will only ultimately just eat you up and make you hollow and push away all of the people that you love. That's the lesson that Jack has learned from this. I feel like Jack is watching Billy make the same mistakes that he's made over decades. And I just can't help siding with Jack knowing that all he really wants to do is save Billy from this, the pitfalls that, that, that he has himself gone through in all of these years. But that doesn't mean that I don't see Billy's side in all of this, too, because there were various points throughout the week where I thought, you know, I can't understand why Billy is upset with Jack in, you know, this particular instance, especially being pushed out of Jabot. I was I was shocked, I guess, that the very end of last Friday's show was Jack walking in and seeing Phyllis in her shirt there with Billy shirtless. I think Billy was shirtless and Phyllis was wearing Billy's shirt or something. And I, th- I thought for sure there was going to be some blow up and some consequence and some talking about the maybe unhealthy relationship that's going on, or I don't know, unhealthy but maybe a little inappropriate relationship that's going on between Billy and Phyllis, but that didn't happen. Jack came in and followed through with his part of the deal with Victoria to fire Billy from the company, but he didn't mention a thing about his wife being half naked in his brother's house. I was shocked. (laughs) Absolutely shocked. But the thing is, and where I started to kind of understand Billy a little bit, was that Jack probably should have sided with Billy in that moment. I think maybe Jack should have told Victoria, fine, you take us to court. I'm not going to force my brother out of our family company. That seems to be a wrong thing to do. Um, and, and, and Billy even says that after he, Jack fires him and Billy says, you're going to try to force me out of a company that our father built for us. You can just think again, get out. And he kicks them. He kicks Jack out of his house. And I, I kind of understood Billy feeling betrayed in that moment. I think if we take the inappropriate with re- relationship with Phyllis completely off the table, which is very hard to do because it is inappropriate. But if we take Phyllis out of the equation, Billy did broker that whole deal with Paskey, and he ended up not getting anything in the end. Uh, and not only that, but he got kicked out. Of of the company. His brother, I can understand why Billy feels like his brother didn't side from him from 
A to Z when it came to passkey, and now Billy's just out in the cold with nothing. Although, going all the way back, I wouldn't have given Billy the two million or million dollars or whatever it was it was that he asked for either. I mean, Billy was asking for two million dollars or whatever it was to get uh, to fund the passkey project, but literally 24 hours earlier, he didn't have he had just gambled away a ton of money and gotten beaten up by a bookie. I wouldn't have enabled him by giving him that money either. So it's tough because I and I think that's sort of what makes this storyline beautiful is that everybody has a side. Those I think are the best storylines when you can kind of see things from everybody's point of view. Uh, But then Jack also made a really smart point too in that technically Paskey was Kevin's baby from the beginning. Everybody else tried to get their grubby little fingers in Genoa City into it, but Kevin was the one who really brought that idea to the table and really helped move it into fruition. Um, so it's it's just kind of funny. Everybody feels so entitled to it, except for probably the two people who are more entitled to it. Uh, but I'll talk more about that later. I'm shocked. I'm just shocked. I didn't pick up on this in the previous week, I think, as much as I did this week. Victoria actually thought that forcing Jack's hand and forcing Billy to be fired from the company was going to help save her relationship with Billy. That is insane to me. It is straight up Nikki thinking. It, it's the absolute same logic that Nikki used when trying to justify sending Victor to jail and look where that got her. It's going to end up getting Victoria in the exact same spot. Victoria seems so much um, more smarter when it comes to relationships. I think Victoria doesn't always follow her heart. I think she has the ability to assess things logically and maybe understand when uh, a situation isn't working out and isn't healthy for her and maybe she needs to get out of the relationship, which is something that Nikki has not done. So I was surprised that Victoria would decide to go that route. And when Billy found out about it, he comes to her and says, really? If you thought that was going to get us back together, you can just forget it. That's not happening now. So it seems like Billy and Victoria are absolutely further apart more than ever, although you can sense that these two people still really love each other very much and they share young children. And and that again is where I see Jack kind of weaving in there and watching his brother choose revenge against Victor or who, whatever, whatever figure it may be, um, whether it's Victor or whether it's somebody else, choosing something else over the relationship with the person that you love. Jack and Phyllis uh, had a moment uh, after the Billy incident where they kind of came together and Jack did express, I'm worried about our relationship. I'm trying to save my marriage here, but I think he's also trying to save Billy's marriage here. And he had this great line toward the end of the week where he said, life is short. Opportunities for real happiness don't come along every day. And I think that's right. I think Jack is right. It may be it may be boring. It may not be very interesting to watch on TV, but he's right. I think Kevin is so into Natalie because she looks so much like Chloe. 
Did you guys, have you noticed that since she's let her hair down, even the crinkle hairdo that she's got, she looks so much like Chloe. It was the opener, I think, of Monday's show. It started out with her face. I literally thought to myself, Chloe's back. I, I mean, I was completely fooled. Did not think it was Natalie. It took a couple beats before I, I realized that it even was Natalie. I mean, she looks great with her new do, but shoot, I think that's probably part of the draw for Kevin. It's so hard to watch everything that is going on with Kevin and Mariah. I feel so bad. Mariah has just gotten pushed off to the side. It is if she just doesn't even matter. Natalie is almost like something new and exotic and shiny in Kevin's life. And Meanwhile, Mariah, the person who's been there for him, even if it never developed into something romantic, she's been there for him. And she's just getting, forget the money. She's just not getting his attention. He's acting like she doesn't really matter. Uh, and And that plays into what kind of ends up happening with the money. So... Now that passkey is, seems like the battle over is over, everybody's getting a little piece of it, Jack decides to give Natalie a piece of it. He gives her a generous share and says, you know what, you're the developer, you're the one I've been dealing with, I'm giving you all this money, you can decide how you want to split it up, which is in and of itself such a great way to create drama. So Natalie's got all of the money now. She didn't have to give a dime to anyone, but she's been working with Kevin and Mariah this entire time. They've been dreaming about how that money was going to be spent. So it makes sense that maybe she was going to cut them in on the deal. But no, no, no. She's going to give off a portion of it. All right. To Kevin and not to Mariah. First of all, I'm going to say this. I was surprised that she gave Kevin 50%. That's so much percent. Kevin doesn't deserve half of Natalie's profits. The other thing is, and Mariah made this point later in the week, it's almost like Natalie's kind of trying to buy Kevin's affection. He totally, definitely deserves like a finder's fee, a brokerage fee, something for for helping her close this deal and bring it in. But half of what she did, she, she created it. She's the developer. I I can't believe that she would just hand over 50% to him and 0% to Mariah. Actually, no, frankly, I can completely believe that she would hand over 0% to Mariah. That makes 100% sense to me. Uh, Mariah and Natalie don't get along. They have clearly just tolerated each other. And Mariah has clearly just been along for the money ride. That's the only reason she was really dealing with Natalie. Well, I think for one thing, she was dealing with Natalie because she cares about Kevin. And this is something that he wanted. And so I think Mariah wanted to be supportive of Kevin. But for real, she was happy to put her fingers in the cookie jar. She was really hoping she was going to get some cookies out of that cookie jar. I'm not shocked that Natalie gave her nothing. It wasn't necessarily up to Natalie to give her anything. What did Mariah do for Natalie? Nothing. Everything that Mariah really did was for Kevin. And Kevin cannot be bothered to help cut Mariah in on his share? 
I am appalled by the way that Kevin has stepped back and left Mariah hanging out to dry. I'm not saying Mariah deserves 33%. I'm not saying that Mariah deserves half of what Kevin got. Mariah didn't do that much. If we're really honest with ourselves, Mariah kind of sat back. She was snarky. She got her hands dirty when she needed to. She did put her butt on the line, though. She didn't. She wasn't up there developing stuff, but she was willing to lie in court. She was willing to support these people. And I think that she put time and effort into the project. She deserves to get something. I don't think it needs to be a big old chunk that's going to, you know, cha- I mean, that, that has to be half of what Kevin got. But I feel like she deserved something. And I think it should come from Kevin. Why is it so inconceivable that he would cut her in on his share? I thought that immediately. It took a little ways into Mariah being upset about all of this before she even asked Kevin that. Like, wait a minute. Why aren't you helping me out? It's ridiculous. It's like money Money just makes greedy people greedier. And Kevin, oh, he really started getting offensive with her right away like oh and if I don't cut you in on my share you're gonna do what Mariah as if she doesn't matter I mean the friendship is just doesn't matter now that's what bugs me about it is that he's treating her like she did nothing at least give her some compensation for her time even if it's just like I don't know figure out what her job title would have been and do some market research to find out what that salary would have been and pay her just straight up for the time that she put into it I don't know maybe it's just me that is this week's poll question you tell me how you feel about this does Mariah deserve deserve a share of the passkey profits? YRChat.com is where you can cast your vote on that. Do you feel like she deserves anything at all? And if so, should it have come from Natalie or should it have come from Kevin? Backtracking to Victoria for just a second, she didn't have to go to Victor. She got herself a piece of those passkey profits. She was proud of herself. She did not need to go to Victor to get praise. She did not need his approval. She did not need his validation. And yet the first thing she did was go to visit Victor in jail, expecting him to, to heap attention and appreciation upon her. And that's shocking to me. It is shocking to me that her logic extended the way it did to Billy and that relationship and that it's extending this way for her relationship with her father. Just like Nikki, either be done with Victor or why did you hand over the evidence that put him in prison in the first place? You can't expect anything from him at this point. It's time to stand up, be the CEO of Newman Enterprises, make the decisions. You don't need anything from him. There's nothing he can give you. Victor's in jail. He can't give you anything. And he certainly can't give you what you need. He can't give it to you, Victoria. He can't give it to Nick. He can't give it to Adam. And he certainly can't give it to Nikki. What makes you think that you're any different? The man doesn't have it to give. (sighs) Just saying. But how great did Victoria look in that black and white jumpsuit? 
I just about died as she was like sashaying through the office this week. I think it was black on the bottom, white on the top. It had this cutout in the back. I love a jumpsuit. She looked amazing. Why can't Adam just be the CEO of Newman and Victoria can be the CEO of Chelsea 2.0 with that wonderful fashion sense? (laughs) That leaves Chelsea out in the gold. Uh, So what do you know? Adam is fired out of the blue from his Chicago job. Guess he's a free agent now. I wasn't expecting it to happen just like that, but we knew we had to get Adam up into this fold. It's going to be awesome when he does fully get up into this fold. The weird thing was, Adam much like Victoria, immediately assumes that Victor had something to do with it. And I thought immediately, no, why would he? Victor's obviously done with all of you. Don't you think it's kind of paranoid to assume that he's behind the the, the scenes pulling strings? I mean, maybe he is. Maybe I'm just, it just seems from all the scenes that we've seen with Victor in jail, I take it as he is genuinely done with these people. He is in the process of accepting his prison reality that he is going to be there for the foreseeable future. I don't know that he's necessarily working stuff behind the scenes. I mean, maybe subtly, but you think he's really making phone calls and getting Adam fired? I don't know. It seemed a little paranoid to me, but it gave us (laughs) that amazing conversation between Chelsea and Sage and Sharon at the athletic club. Chelsea's complaining about the reach that Victor has in their lives and Sharon is telling Chelsea, girl, I've been there. Let me tell you, once you are married to a Newman son, you are going to be under Victor's thumb for all of eternity. Once you have a child that is a Newman, you are now just the Newman vessel. And I loved Sharon's zinger about saying, hey, you might even have a bipolar episode and marry the man. <laughs> oh, that was so good. I just about lost it. Oh, I love Sharon. I love Sharon. <laughs> She is so cool. And that was such a good scene. Um, gosh. So I I, I thought, well, shoot, um, there's no way that Victor was behind this. But it sort of gets out and about to Adam that Luca had pl- paid a visit to Victor early in the day. And so Adam assumes that somehow Victor had Luca go and do his dirty work and get Adam fired. So Adam confronts Luca. There's this fight. I mean, Luca shows up, I think, at Adam's house and Adam just comes out of nowhere. He flies from the side. I don't know. He like propelled in and and crashed through the window and like had his, (laughs) he was like, hey, with Luca, like with his hands on his throat and second no that's an exaggeration but it was a great unexpected fight I mean Adam had Luca pinned on the wall um it was like I don't know where to look there's so much just sexiness in this room right now I love Adam and Luca Uh, I think that they're really good together but Luca says hey man I didn't do it so Adam goes to visit Victor and it's the same it feels the same to me as when uh when Victoria goes to 
visit Victor. It's almost like Victoria is constantly seeking Victor's approval while Adam is seeking and expecting Victor's disapproval. It's just attention. They want some level of attention. Some people like positive attention. Some people like negative attention. And and Victor really called him out on it. Um, I mean, shoot. He said he, the weird thing that I picked up on right away was uh, Victor saying, uh, you know, look, I'm not I'm not going to get you fired. I'm not counting on you to save Newman Enterprises. I'm counting on my other son, Nick. I mean, I, I was taken aback by that because I thought, are we talking about the same Nick. I mean, I love me some Nick, but you're counting on Nick to save the company? The only reason he's counting on Nick is because Nick has been the most hands-off. Nick sort of respects that they put him there. Nick's not really asking anything of him. Nick tried really hard to remain as neutral as possible when everything was going down with Victor's trial. So that's probably the only reason that Vi- that, that Nick is number one on Victor's love list for now. Ooh, but it really got up underneath Adam's skin. (laughs) Maybe that was its intended purpose. Might very well be. Uh, Because Adam says later to Chelsea, he thinks, Victor thinks that uh, Nick is going to run the company. I mean, Nick is great at making cocktails, but running a multinational conglomerate? I don't think so. I mean, Nick did work at the company back in the day, and he decided to take an, a, a little bit more of a chill career path. But I don't think Nick's a complete dummy, but he's also not, he's just not a strategic, like, go-getter CEO material in the same way that Adam or Victoria would be. Uh, but it's it was so clear that that bugged him. I think Adam likes being the one I mean, everybody wants to be the chosen one in Victor's eyes. I think Adam liked believing that he was the most like uh, the most capable in the same way that Victor would be uh, with Newman Enterprises. And for Victor to assume that someone like Nick was, I think that that really bothered him. And Chelsea saw it. She uh, offered him a a job as being the CEO of Chelsea 2.0. But that that doesn't even come close. It's it's not what he wants. It's not what he's after. What he wants is Newman Enterprises. He wants to pick up the torch and run with Newman Enterprises in the same way that his father did and to make his father proud. It's the same thing that Victoria wants. They both want the same thing. And uh, There was a, a great moment, too, uh, between uh, Adam and Victor still at the jail where... Adam is insisting still that, you know, that Victor had him fired because he has some master plan. And, and and Victor really called it. He says, you know, the more that you say I don't want you, the more you just come crawling back to me. And that's kind of, it is kind of true. It's, it's, it, and I think it really is a, a lot of just kind of a negative attention maybe that Adam is wanting. But Victor, he, there's no more like coddling. There's no more, you're my favorite. It's like he always, Victor always kind of secretly told each of his children, you're my favorite, you're my favorite, but don't tell the other one. And then kind of played them all against each other. Uh, But this time he just told Adam, you know what? You're feeling guilty because I got you out of prison for everything that happened with Delia. And now you help put, or, you know, you put me here. You're feeling guilty because you are guilty. Wallow in it. Great scene. Really great scene. But the better part, the big part, the part I cannot wait to speculate with, uh, with you 
is Dr. Meredith Gates. She showed up at the very end of Adam's visit with Victor, and she was trying to insert herself, trying to, oh, your father needs this, your father needs that, seeming very helpful. Uh, and I, I want to say, first off, that a couple people have mentioned to me something that I guess I missed last week was during Dr. Gates's talk with Victor in the infirmary and when she was kind of trying to pump him up and talk to him apparently she had said something about the path did everybody catch that and I was the only one that missed it because then all of a sudden um as I was reading comments uh over the last week a bunch of people had said that they really felt like Dr. Gates uh said the path and that it meant something and that she was possibly connected to Ian Ward which actually really makes sense to me now I can definitely see Dr. Gates being somehow connected to Ian Ward maybe that's the reason he's able to get in and out of prison is easily as as he does but then there's also as soon as Dr. Gates walks into the room and Adam sees her he says do I know you and he and he doesn't drop it either she almost seems like maybe she doesn't want to pursue it but Adam just keeps saying no, I no, I've seen you somewhere it was a, a some sort of judicial benefit a judicial benefit is where he has seen her. And then he goes on to comment, oh yes, you were there with your father, weren't you? Uh, oh, your father, you know, he thought you hung the moon. And I'll, and she says, well, not anymore. Huh. <laughs> so what are we making of this, you guys? Who's her father? Is it, I, is it, her, is it Ian? I mean, I'm thinking, I'm, it's judge, ju judicial. So, you know, could she be connected to, like, Judge Moxley? Uh, could she be connected to, it, could Ian Ward be her father? And, and maybe because he used to be, like, hobnobby uh, cult leader guy, and now that broke their relationship when, um, when he got arrested or something. You guys tell me, who is, uh, who is... Uh, Dr. Gates's father, and do you think she is somehow connected to Ian Ward? Summer certainly knows how to celebrate a victory by having hot hotel sex with one of the best-looking guys in Genoa City. <laughs> um, I was down for it. I was like, all right, Summer, you know how to party there. I mean, she was she was coming up to me last week as maybe just a little bit innocent, possibly even a little bit prude, but she roped Luca in. She said, um, she kind of gave him eyes and said, come over here, big boy. <laughs> And he's all like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. I should have known it was coming by the fact that she had on that uh, that gray dress with that zipper front. Because <laughs> that thing went unzip. <laughs> That was great. That was great. She knows how to pick them because Luca was still there the next morning. He had breakfast in bed for her. Ooh, move over, Kane. I think I think Genoa City. There's a new specimen of perfection in my mind for Genoa City. Now I don't think he's perfect, but he's hot. <laughs> and I like that he was romantic, and then he didn't bolt. Uh, I don't know. I like Luca. I don't necessarily trust him. I mean, what do you is look is Luca using her. I feel like I'm still on the fence about this. I, maybe it's a little yes, maybe a little no. Nick 
thinks that it's definitely a yes, as in, this guy is no good, he's using my daughter, I want him far away from her. And Nick does kind of pull Summer in uh, a little bit later in the week, or or actually, probably day. I mean, as soon as Nick finds out that she's involved with Luca, he pulls Summer in and says, I don't think you should be seeing him. It was great that it took place right with Victoria in the room, too, because... Um, it was it was clear that the old, telling her not to see him is the best way to make her want him more. And I loved that Victoria called Nick out on that. Like, hey, you kind of sounded a little bit like Victor there. <laughs> uh, because it's very true. That's all Victor has done through their entire relationship history. Basically, either Victoria or Nick finds someone and Victor and or Nikki is disapproving of it. So it was a, it was a nice little moment. All of the Newman children are I think finding out maybe they're more like their father than than they would care to admit. The the piece that didn't even occur to me is the fact that Summer is still with Kyle. Who cares? Hey guys, guess what? Who cares? I mean, she's feeling all guilty about the fact that she slept with Luca and she still has a boyfriend. I didn't even remember she was dating Kyle until she mentioned it. I saw an update several weeks ago that basically the actor who plays Kyle is coming back onto the scene for one episode, probably just to break, you know, end up breaking it off with Summer, which is fine. I mean, the the problem is here. I, I'm the actor's fine. I'm I got nothing against Kyle, but YNR just dropped the ball on that one. He just disappeared, and it's kind of hard for me to care about Summer's boyfriend, who we never see. So are we going to see next week, see them breaking up? It's really not going to, it's not going to affect me. Cry me a river for the boyfriend that we never see. You are possibly the biggest wuss I've ever met. <laughs> that was last week's Who Said It quote. It was good old Stitch, a.k.a. Dr. Rayburn, telling Dr. Neville that he is a big old wuss for wanting Ashley and for not seizing the day and taking her. It was a, a good scene. You know, I tell you, just on a side note, I think that we're going to see um, Abby and Stitch's relationship pulled apart over everything that's going to end up going on with Max. The fact that she's going to know he did this to her and Stitch isn't going to believe her. So I'm worried that Abby and Stitch are going to break apart. And I mean, we even saw that little hug between Stitch and Ashley this week. I think I'm a little worried that we're going to be headed back towards Stitch and Ashley. Dr. Neville is a little worried that we're going to be heading back towards Stitch and Ashley, but I wish Dr. Neville would maybe stop being a big wuss and just tell Ashley how he feels and take her. Sometimes women just want to be taken. You don't need to wait for for her to give you the green light. You know, you know, have a backbone and go get her. Go get her, Dr. Neville. (laughs) Oh, so, uh, Sharita, Connor, Robbie, Sonia, Gina, Victoria, Astra, and Beatrice all got last week's quote right. Let's see if you can do it again. This week's quote is, We're missing cookies, Esther. (laughs) 
Who said that? I loved Esther this week. This is kind of funny. Esther drove me crazy for so many years when Catherine was alive, but yet for some unknown reason, I found her very entertaining this week. Uh, I loved her. I loved her realizing that her hairdo is is Nicki Minaj, and then going to try to find some Nicki Minaj music and kind of you know jamming out to that. That was really funny. She was funny this week, uh, but only one person said to her. We're missing cookies, Esther. <laughs> I know it's not. If if I didn't know any better, I would think it was Catherine. It, just, it was. It's just so funny. If you think you know <laughs> who was concerned of the missing cookies, <laughs> you can go to yrchat.com. Leave your guess there. If you leave it at yrchat.com and you get it right, I will give you your props on next week's chat. All right, let's open up this chatter box. So Tony at YRChat.com says, On Dr. Meredith Gates, I think she's Victor's sister. Victor hasn't had any extended family, but has mentioned family much. She could be Natalie's mother. Victor would be Natalie's uncle, the connection to the Newmans we're looking for. Victor has been dreaming loving thoughts of Nikki, so we know he's not looking for a different romance. Dr. Meredith is a good age for Victor's sister. I never would have thought of that, Tony, but it is kind of it, the judicial uh, connection kind of might make sense if she was somehow in with either Judge Moxley or Judge Moxley's uh, husband or something. But I don't know, Victor's sister. Gosh, they'd be pulling that one out of a woodwork for a long time. Have they ever done a Victor's sibling thing? Ever. I don't think so. Has Victor ever had an implied sibling you guys let me know if you if you can remember that. That would be kind of shocking if they went and did that. Um, Daisy on Facebook says, It's possible that Nurse Stevens had killed Dr. Anderson, not Patty. Nurse Stevens' boyfriend told Sharon that Nurse Stevens had just left him out of the blue, then returned months later as if nothing had happened. So it's possible that Nurse Stevens left after killing Dr. Anderson, then returned when Patty was blamed and the investigation dropped. I hope so. I'd love to see Patty catch a break and have some redemption and an apology from Paul. Yes, Daisy, I like that because I just somehow don't want to believe that Patty did it either. I think that Nurse Stevens probably is the scapegoat that we're looking for. I think she probably is the one that, for one reason or another, had a falling out with Dr. Anderson. We'll probably see a flashback of it or something in the coming weeks. She's the one that killed her, and Patty ended up taking the blame for it. Because even Paul was trying to ask her something this week about, do you know what happened to Dr. Anderson? And Patty was like, she was murdered. It was it was weird, but she didn't say I murdered her. So you never know. I think I think that's it. I think that's a good guess. Um, Daisy also says, "What person has the most to gain if Adam gets fired? I think it's Billy. If Adam is fired, then Adam will be a step closer to becoming the Newman Enterprises CEO. And for that to happen, Victoria will have to be out. Billy is in revenge mode, so I think he'll do whatever it takes to get back at Victoria. 
Yeah, somebody had Adam fired, and that's a really good guess. I do think Billy is in revenge mode because just before, just after um, that blow up on Monday's show with Jack, he said, "You think you're going to push me out of my family business? Think again." I do think Billy's going to have a plan. I just don't know uh, what it is. It's such a, it's such a. A different kind of Billy. I'm thinking back to, uh, I have it here, a voicemail that Gary left me, kind of regarding this new soulful Billy. And Gary says, I like him, but I also miss the light touch of the other Billies. Um, even in the dark times, the, 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 there was a sunniness from the other actors that portrayed Billy. But this actor actually fits more along Victor's persona of him as a worthless punk. I thought that was such a great idea because, and I wanted to mention it this week, because it's becoming more and more clear that this is a different, darker Billy. I somehow can't see the Billy Miller version or even the Burgess Jenkins version going through with this affair with Phyllis. Um, and I don't know if that's going to ultimately end up happening, but I, I have a harder time seeing him being calculating when it comes to Victoria or, uh, you know, getting his rightful place at the company. But the Billy that we've known in the past really hasn't been like that. And as Gary points out, there was uh, there was a humor almost about the other Billies. Um, and, and, and I think that both of the two other Billies played it well. At the very beginning, when we started seeing the Jason Thompson version of this role, um, he, he had some funny lines, but I did notice that he kind of breezed over them. He did, you know, he didn't linger. Um, I, th- I think this actor's strength is maybe not that lightness. It's maybe not that little bit of comedy. I think this actor's strength is in that it, it is in that soul for soulful performance, as Gary puts it. Because I look in this actor's face now, and it's so much more. He plays so much intensity. Uh, just right in his face, we've seen so quite a bit of anguish from him throughout the course of just this past week, uh, and so much furor. And, and I think um, it, it just seems to be signaling a very different kind of Billy. Not saying it's bad um, in any way. It's just very different. Um... Oh, okay. So I got some comments about the Jack versus Billy. And Anna left me a voicemail saying, I think that Jack is in the wrong here. Now, hear me out. <laughs> First of all, Jack is in charge of Billy's trust. He wasn't losing the money to give it to him. Uh, and I, I, I've thought about that too, Anna, because the, the money that Billy was wanting to pull uh, to, to invest in Passkey, was that coming from his own personal money that Jack was in charge of? Or was he pulling, was it being pulled from Jabot? Because I always got the impression that it was being asked of Jack to pull funds from Jabot to support it, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, But Anna goes on to say, I miss where Jack was the champion leading the charge of the Victor feud. The guy who kicked Victor's hand while he was dying from a heart attack on the ground. Jack didn't stick up for his wife. He was a wuss. The only part where Billy is wrong is you cannot sleep with your brother's wife. Oh, I love this comment, specifically, Anna, because you mentioned that classic heart attack scene. Oh, if you are uh, a newer YNR fan, or even if you just want to kick down memory lane, uh, in quote, a kick. Um, oh my gosh, classic, classic scene. Um, if you go back into the annals of YNR history, there was a, a big a classic blow up 
up between Victor and Jack, as we have seen so many times before. And Victor drops onto the floor of a heart attack in the middle of this argument, and Jack just walks out. Leaves him there for dead on the ground. And just as Jack is walking out of the room with Victor just lying there, he kicks Victor's hand on the way out the door. Oh, it is one of the best of all time YNR scenes. If you didn't know, this little piece of trivia was an act. It was an accident, actually. Peter Bergman didn't mean to kick Eric Braden's hand. It was just this happy accident that he he just accidentally kicked it with with his foot, and they decided to keep it in the show. And it is just absolute gold. I was so glad you mentioned that scene because it, it and it, it presents a stark contrast between the Jack that we're seeing today and the Jack that we saw of yesteryear because uh, ooh, it was bad I, I guess I just there's just a part of me that that kind of thinks it's all right for Jack to mellow because I think we're seeing Billy picking up that torch and and taking it and I, I'm almost okay with that I, I like the version of Jack that is a little more wise um you know, and, and I'm and and um actually let me read this this one from from Gina here. Uh, Gina left a voicemail that says the problem with Jack is that he's now mellowed. He is reminding me a lot of his late father John. He's trying to be the peacemaker of the family, and that's a problem for him. I that's it's so true. It's so interesting because I think Gina that's a dead on comment. Um, and for some reason I kind of like it. I think I think it's it's a strength of Jack's that he is mellowing. And that he is becoming the leader of the Abbott family. Uh, that he's kind of taking on the John role. Although I will tell you, John Abbott was dull as watching paint dry. I never loved or felt especially connected to John Abbott. He just wasn't that fun. He was always the guy that was telling Jack, Jackie, don't don't follow this path. Don't do this. Wouldn't it be great if we started seeing John visit Billy? That would be good. And very representative, too. So uh, I, I like these pro-Billy statements. Um, I think these are really good. Uh, but I just, I, it's like, it's like we are all watching the same thing. It's just um, how, you know, whichever side we kind of fall on. I don't know why. I, just, I guess my loyalty just for some reason goes to Jack because I've known him longer. I don't know. Uh, Simone on YouTube says, I'm on Jack's side because Billy and Phyllis have gotten their revenge on Victor. He's in jail. He's lost everything. But Billy and Phyllis want to keep digging the knife in. They cannot admit that this is not about Paskey or the money. This is about Victor. And Jack can see through that. Ooh, I like that. That is well said. Uh, oh, this is good too. Victoria at yrchat.com says, Allie, if you remember, Billy has done this type of thing before to Jack. He had a one night stand with Sharon at the time that she and Jack were married. <gasps> I forgot about that. That is so good. See, that's why I like talking to you guys because I never would have remembered that, but I do now remember it because uh, it was so very shameful at the time. It was the Billy Miller version of Billy and Sharon. Ooh, good point. Um, oh, Justin left me a voicemail. Uh, let me know. This marks one year. This week marks one year since Marco 
made his debut on the scene. That is crazy, Justin. I, I heard that. I was like, what? It seems like Marco was ju just here three months ago, and now it's been one year. I, I certainly uh, hope that he doesn't make his way back onto the scene either, by the way. Uh, I, I think if we live a Marco-free existence from here on out, I'll be happy. Uh, Jamie left me a voicemail and says, I have a creepy theory. Do you think it's possible that Max killed his mom? Ooh, hoo, 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 hoo. I'd love to get your everyone's thoughts on that. I'm trying to remember the circumstances of Max's mom's death. I, all we know, and whether it's true or not, was that she, I think, was in a car accident. She was on the phone with Abby. I think Abby was trying to convince her to come, uh, let Max come for some, come to Genoa City for something, and uh, and and she crashed her car and died but it's that's all we know it certainly could be that max did something to cause that it's so terrible wouldn't it be crazy if yr really went there i mean how dark are they gonna get on this uh henry left me a voicemail that says i hope they get to the bottom of evil max as soon as possible this is disturbing to watch i didn't think the writers would go there i thought the baby would make it i really did too henry it's it's it is very shocking and and something's got to happen i mean i don't know how long this could go on katie on facebook says i hope that what max did to abby doesn't get swept under the rug he killed his sister, and I think there should at least be a small investigation. Yeah, um, Dylan revealed that he wasn't going to investigate anything having to do with uh, the Abby's fall because they have no reason to think at this point that anybody else had anything to do with it. But I kind of agree. I'm agreeing with Katie here. Like, I hope that the kid j doesn't just get away with it. I think we're going to need to see some kind of resolution here. I think we're going to need to see the that brat get caught and shipped off to military school, I think is what Gary had left me a voicemail to say. That makes sense. I think military school is a good option for, for Max. That probably is what will end up happening. Uh, oh, about Mariah. Beatrice left me a voicemail and says, I don't understand why Mariah feels like she's entitled to anything. All she did was antagonize and make fun of old geek girl. So I can kind of understand why Natalie doesn't want to be bothered with her. Yeah, um, you know, the other thing, too, that I was thinking about Mariah is, did Kevin and Natalie kind of string her along? I mean, they were both very much involved in the development of this project. They very much... I think both stood to gain, knew they stood to gain, uh, and were right to, to gain from the sale of the product. But Mariah, they kind of took her along on the ride of riches and fame and fortune and got her hopes up when, did they ever really have any intention of, of helping her? I mean, the, their problem was that they didn't lay out the terms of this deal and any, any contract they might have had or agreement they had between them from the get-go. Uh, and so Mariah is just now left out in the cold. Consuela at YRChat.com says, I feel bad about Mariah getting cut out of the deal, but on the other hand, Kevin and Natalie have a point. Mariah didn't play a big role in the development of Paskey. I mean, this was Kevin and Natalie's brainchild from the beginning. 
And Connor at YRChat.com says, I'm torn on Mariah. On the one hand, she didn't really have much input on Fasky. She didn't come up with any technical ideas or solutions. But on the other hand, she was along for the entire ride. I think she deserves something, not a huge chunk, but maybe just a small fortune. <laughs> I think that's a good, uh, just a small fortune. That's a good compromise, right? I would love to know how much money we're talking about here. And I want to keep hearing some comments because I, I guess I thought through the beginning of the week, I, I, I felt totally offended for Mariah and I was completely on Mariah's side. Like they should be giving her her money. But as it kind of developed through the week, I sort of came to these same conclusions too, or same ideas too, that she, she, she didn't really like, she wasn't digging in hands-on involved in this, but I'd love to hear from some people who, uh, who like are totally team Mariah. Why our chat, Com would be a good place to leave those comments and to vote in the poll. Let me know, do you think that Mariah deserves a share of the past key profits? Okay, you guys, I think that brings me just about to the end of a probably extra long <laughs> YNR chat. Oh, it's been a long week, too. I finished uh, all the the rest of the making of Genoa City soap videos. So I got, uh, if you want to see me making the Lily soap, I posted, uh, just posted the cane soap making. If you want to hear me make suggestive comments about Kane's butt while I make soap, <laughs> you can go to Genoa City soap.com. Those are probably going to be the last making of videos that I do for a while because I'm already in the process of making some new characters, some new soaps based on YNR characters for summer, but I got to be making them in spring and it seems like the weather has just not been cooperating for my camera. I mean, I literally made one of the soaps in, in a tornado practically, so uh, so I'm probably not going to be doing making of videos for a while, so you should check out those while they're still there and I mean all the soaps I've done so far have making of videos so those are kind of fun to watch um, and of course as always I cannot wait to hear your comments on all of the drama so yrchat.com is where you can leave some comments vote in the poll see the caption photos and all that fun stuff you can also find the Facebook and YouTube links from there uh, podcast links if you like listening into the podcast. Um, and of course, there is my voicemail number, which is 309-588-4569. However you like to leave your comments, I like to read them, and I'll be excited to read them uh, throughout this week. So everybody have a good week, and I will see you next Sunday. Bye!